0: Our second text this morning comes from the book of 1 Kings. God has promised David that his son would build a temple, and now King Solomon has done just that. Listen now for what the Spirit is saying to the church. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes the leaders of the ancestral houses of the Israelites before King Solomon in Jerusalem to bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. Then the priest brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to its place in the inner sanctuary of the house, in the most high place, underneath the wings of cherubim. And when the priest came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could hardly stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord has filled the house of the Lord. Then Solomon stood before the altar in the presence of the assembly of all of Israel and spread out his hands to heaven. He said, O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth beneath, keeping covenant and steadfast love for your servants who walk before you with all their heart. The covenant that you kept for your servant, my father David, as you declared to him, you promised with your mouth, and have fulfilled this day with your hand. Therefore, O God of Israel, keep your servant my father David, that which you promised him, saying, There shall never fail you a successor before me to sit on the throne of Israel, if only your children look to their way, to walk before me as you have walked before me. Therefore, O God of Israel, let your word be confirmed, which you promised to your servant, my father David. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Even heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you, much less this house that I have built. Regard your servant's prayer and this plea, O Lord my God, Heeding the cry and the prayer that your servant prays to you today, that your eyes may be open night and day toward this house, the place of which you said, My name shall be there, that you may heed the prayer that your servant prays toward this place. Hear the plea of your servant and of your people Israel when you pray towards this place. Oh, here in heaven, your dwelling place, heed and forgive. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, open our hearts to hear your words. Make these words coming out of my mouth into your own. Amen. The journey to get here has been long for me and for you. For you, you've had excellent co-pastors and you've celebrated a joyous retirement. You've prayed, you've listened, you've assembled an APNC who met with the CON, wrote a myth, prayed some more, and heard the word discern, so many times, they wondered if it still has any meaning. Your A, P, and C interviewed and interviewed. They listened and listened until they discerned a call. They discerned a call to me, and I discerned one to you. With God's guidance, I feel as though I've spent most of my life preparing to be here for you all that time I spent being shaped by my home church in Morganton, North Carolina, by youth councils, by campus ministries, discerning a call to seminary, and suffering through and surviving Hebrew and Greek, studying for ordination exams, being examined by the scary presbytery, have all been leading me here, now, here for this. Here, this morning, we can all finally exhale. We're here, and we're settling into our new rhythm together. (sighs) For generations, the Israelites were wandering and living in a state of disarray. God, through Moses, had led the Israelites out of Egypt into the wilderness, into the promised land. But even the promised land didn't feel like home to them. With each move they made they wondered, will God be there too? For generations the people fought strange people who occupied their lands. For generations they marched through a long history beginning with their cries in Egypt. They were led through the wilderness with murmuring and anticipation of what comes next. When they finally arrived in the promised land, they found governing themselves to be harder than they thought, and so they asked God for a king. God gave them Saul and then David and now Solomon. Being God's people was hard. But when Solomon built this temple, it seemed as though the Israelites could finally exhale. The Israelites were wanderers no more, and they settled in to their new life. In King Solomon's dedication to the temple, which was our text this morning, he knows just how to commemorate such a joyous occasion. Solomon brings the treasured Ark of the Covenant, the very thing that has been God's presence to the world, into the temple. When the Ark of the Covenant is brought in and set down, clouds come rolling in from nowhere and the people stir in confusion. It quickly becomes so foggy in there that the priests could hardly do their job because it was so cloudy these clouds that came rolling in for God's glory filling the temple, God's very presence here on earth. And seeing the temple so full of God's glory, Solomon marches up the steps to the Lord's altar before all the assembled elders, all the tribal leaders, and all of the chiefs. With a big smile on his face, Solomon spreads his arms, and he looks up to the sky, and he prays. He praises God. He praises God who guided the Israelites, God who parted the Red Sea, God who provided the manna, God who makes covenants, God who keeps these covenants. Listen, God. Listen and forgive from your heavenly dwelling place. When the people of Israel pray towards this place, towards this temple, Solomon rejoices and offers praise to God who shows up, to God who fulfilled the covenant made with David and Solomon building the house with God's name on it. Exhale. I first remember learning about this temple when I was, I think, eight years old in a basement Sunday school class at First Presbyterian Church in Morganton. My Sunday school teachers had us build a model of the temple with sugar cubes and gold foil. We spent what seemed like weeks working on this very detailed and this very pristine model of the temple. For weeks as I kept seeing this masterpiece grow, I thought we were building it for God to be in, like God's house. Now, I didn't know a whole lot about God when I was eight, but I knew that God was big, and God was definitely way too big to fit in a two-by-two sugar cube model of the temple. What I didn't think about when I was eight, looking at this immaculate sugar cube temple... This representation was how it made the Israelites feel, was how the temple settled them, and how the temple reminded them of their story of God acting in their lives. See, in Solomon's prayer, he exclaims that even the highest heavens cannot contain God, much less this house that I have built Can God be contained in a temple or in a church? No. The Spirit filled the temple, but even Solomon knew that the earthly place could not contain God because God is grander than a temple built by humans. And God moves with us as we move in and out of places like this. The temple built by slave hands and overseen by King Solomon wasn't to house God, but it was to remind the people that God was indeed there on earth. God dwells on earth as in heaven. Some might say that these walls, that in these walls, they are reminded of God's presence in the world. We know God is at work in this place as we worship, as we sing praises to God with this lovely choir. We know God is at work here on earth when the pastoral care team assembles to wrap our arms around grieving families. We know God is present on earth when we hear stories of our community rallying around a dream to home those not yet housed. God fills this space every day of the week as we gather here for worship, for prayer meetings, for Wednesday night suppers, for yoga, for PW gatherings, and for celebrations of life and families gathering. Even in my short time here on the island, I think we're at four weeks now, I feel God's presence in this place and in this body, this church, as we've gathered around Ginger Sifford and her family these past few weeks. Notes were written. People made all sorts of visits and sent flowers and prayed constantly for them. For the past month, it seems as though everyone I encountered was either coming from visiting Ginger or about to go visit her. Even shortly after the news of her death began to spread, the church rallied around to work on the celebration of her life and to plan for the reception, and then to shower her family with love in their time of grieving. If that's not the kind of church that's a reminder of God's presence here on earth, I'm not sure what else is in this church and in this community, we are reminded that God is active in the world as we are moving faithfully into our future together. For the ancient Israelites, they were reminded that God was with them when they looked at the temple. When they saw the temple, they remembered how God led them out of Egypt, how God guided them through the wilderness how god sent the manna falling from the sky and how god settled them what reminds you of god's presence in the world today perhaps it is looking at these walls and seeing the light flood in through these windows or perhaps it's that warm feeling when you get when you realize the people on the pew next to you know your name and that they care about you and your story. Or maybe you remember God's presence in the world when you volunteer at manna house or deliver food via sparrow's nest. Perhaps you remember and know God is present in the world when you feel God's forgiveness after you've made a mistake. Or the way God draws you back in after you've wandered off. Or maybe it's the way God comforts us when we grieve, or the way God sings praises with us when we celebrate. Friends, God does indeed dwell with us on earth as in heaven. We can now all exhale together. We can celebrate the past while moving faithfully forward into the future, knowing that God is at work bringing healing and peace and promising new life in Christ. Amen.